Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 3. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Moses better than me, because if I see a bush burning and talking, I'm going the other way. I don't understand folks, you know. Well, well, it was a, I thought something was in my house. And I had to go see. I'm over. I had to go check the closets and I had to go see what was going on. Listen, if I think something's in my house, I'm leaving. I don't mind getting out. I'm leaving. I'll get in my car and go somewhere until I think it's gone. Say, say, man, you know that's right. Folk be looking in the closets and hiding under the beds and all that stuff. And I'm like, no, it's something weird. I got to go. Moses, he's drawing close. I don't understand that. God said, stay back. Don't draw close. And then the second thing God told him to do, notice God said, Moses, Take off your shoes, for the place where you stand is what, saints? Holy ground. I love that, and so do you. Now, you need to understand something. There was nothing holy about the desert. You know that. There's nothing holy about sand. There's there's nothing holy about these things. What made the place holy ground was the fact that God was there. It was holy ground because of the presence of God. The place was holy because God is holy. And where God is, there will always be holiness. And God said, remove your sandals because the poor, here's why God said, take off your shoes. Because the poor and the needy and servants have no shoes in those days. And I believe, here's my speculation, my white space interpretation my opinion, I believe that God is setting things right with Moses. I believe that God is putting Moses in his place. And God is saying, look, you're in my presence, you're in my house, you are my servant, you are poor and you are needy, so take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. I think that's what God is trying to teach him. You're standing on holy ground. By the way, this is the first time the word Holy is used in the Bible. Interesting. Holy. Holy. You know, one of the best definitions I heard of holy, you can look up tons of definitions and you'll, you'll probably get them right. But, but listen to this. This is one of the best definitions that I, and simplest definitions that I heard of, of holy. It, it, and it goes like this. That which is, what is holy? That which is God and that which is not God. That which is God, I thought that was great. 
That which is God and that which is not God. That which is creator and that which is creation. Everything falls into these two categories. The creator, God, and everything else. Have you ever thought of that? That's why we can say definitively that God is separate. Separate than what? Everything else. Now that's holy. God is separate. There is the creator God and then there's everything else. There's Satan, demons, angels, spiritual realm, human, animals, creation. All of the things that we see, there is God and everything else. God is separate. God is holy. Moses, take your shoes off because you're in my presence. And where I am, it becomes holy. That's why the Bible then follows up in the New Testament and says, saints, you are holy because the presence of God lives within you. That's why you're holy. You're not holy because you're good. You're not holy because you're wonderful. You're not holy, wives, don't say too loud, amen. You're not holy because you're great. You are holy because the Spirit of God lives within you. You are the temple of the living God, and thus you are holy because of the presence of God. And nothing changes. This sanctuary is holy because God's presence is here. Mo, take off your shoes. The place you're standing is holy ground. Look at verse 7. And the Lord said in verse 7, I have surely seen the oppression of my people. Moses, get it. Buy a clue. They're not your people. You don't have to kill them. Kill the Egyptians defending my people. Moses, they're my people. I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and they have heard their cry because of their and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good land a large land a land flowing with milk and honey that simply means that it's a prosperous land a prosperous land it doesn't mean it's like milk all over the place I just learned that today. Or honey all dripping from the walls. No, it simply means that the land they're going to is going to be prosperous. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. To the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Termites, and all the otherites. (laughs) Now, therefore, in verse 9. Behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, God says, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, underline this, and I will send you to Pharaoh, Moses, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And so he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Again, Mount Sinai, the place where God has given the law. 
Give me your attention, if you will. Notice God says, I've seen the oppression of my people and I heard their cry. But the interesting thing is, the people that God is speaking to, get this, are not aware that God is seeing. They are not aware that God hears. They're not aware that God is preparing to move. Remember, at this point, they are under affliction. They are under the whip of the taskmaster. And they're crying and they're saying, God, if you love me, then why are we going through this? And God, what's going on in my life? God says, I see, I hear, I know, and I'm sending, I'm coming to deliver. But they know nothing about it. Isn't that just the way we are? God, why am I going through this? God, why is this situation happening? God, why am I tested here and trials here and tribulation here? And God says, I see, I know, and I'm going to deliver, dot, 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 in my time. Oh, no. Oh, yes, in my time. They have no idea. God is completely aware because they are his people. He's watching, he's listening, and his heart was touched with their pain. So God says, I know their sorrows, and I've come down to deliver. And notice God says, I know. Then he says, come now, Moses, and I will send. Look at chapter 2, verse 11. Look at chapter 2, verse 11. God says here, I will send. Now look at chapter 2, verse 11. Look at it. Just one chapter back. Look at it. Verse 11. You're there, say amen. Look at this. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he what? He went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating the Hebrew, one of his brethren. See, notice that. Chapter 2, verse 11, Moses went. Big difference now. You see that? Moses went. And here in chapter 3, Moses is now sent. You see that? See, Moses did it on his own and he failed. And now God is going to send. Moses is no longer the man who went. Now he's the man who is sent. And Moses at this time, saints, you might want to mark it down, write it down. He is 80 years old. And he says, notice in your text in verse 11, he says, Who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh? You know, I bet you God is probably thinking, Moses, I have been waiting 80 years for you to ask that question. 80 years for you to ask that question. 40 years ago, he thought he knew exactly who he was. He was in line to be the next Pharaoh. He was a general in the army of Egypt. He was trained in all the wisdom of Egypt. Acts chapter 7 tells us that Moses was powerful in word and in deed. He was a great speaker. He was a charismatic speaker, and he had a charismatic presence. And now after 40 years with the sheep, he understands. And he says, who am I? And God says, now I can use you. Who am I? I'll tell you something. Actually, Moses is actually asking the wrong question. The right question is in verse 13. Look at verse 13. Here's the right question. Then Moses said in verse 13, you're there, say amen. Amen. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and I say to them, 
the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, read that with me, saints. I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me. You see that? That's the right question. It's not about who you are, Moses. Whom shall I say, who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh? It's not about who you are. It's actually about who he is. Who am I? I'm nobody. That's the answer to that question. I'm nobody. You know, we started our church in 1995 out in the trailer. We affectionately call it the compound. Long story, I'll tell you later. And I remember the first Sunday. I told you, God, I think I've told you recently. I was praying that it wouldn't rain because I wanted everything to be perfect. And I wanted it to be a great church service. And I was nervous anyway. It was my first Sunday morning service. And I was nervous. And honey, you remember, I'm, you know, I called my mom early that morning. I'm like, oh, I'm nervous. It's my first church service on Sunday morning. I was all nervous and everything. And I prayed it wouldn't rain because the road was dirt road and it was going to be muddy and all that. And, and I just prayed everything would be perfect. And, and, and you know, it, it poured raining that day. I will never forget it. It poured. As a matter of fact, it rained harder than any other time I've seen it in North Carolina. And the church was packed. 32 people came. I thought that was bad. Look, if one person came other than Elvira, I would have been, you know, she's expected to be there. But uh, I mean, the church was packed that day. And, and, and uh, you know, you're teaching and, and years go by now. And, and, and you know, honestly, guys, I got to tell you, honestly, one thing you learn as you have, and, and if you've been in ministry sometime, maybe perhaps you can relate you learn as you go through ministry and as you teach and as God begins to use your life, the one thing that you learn, the one thing that I think I have learned, which I've gotten to over the years now, is that I am nobody. Who am I? Nobody. You know, you do, quite honestly, you go through those periods of time in ministry where you think you're somebody. I didn't expect too many people say amen there, all right? But you do, you go through those times where you think, man, I'm all that in a bag of chips. I mean, people love me, and I'm a great preacher, and I'm this, and I'm that, and oh, I'm so wonderful. And you go through all of that, and, and, and you finally get to the place in ministry where, you know what, you realize you're not all of that. You're, you're not all that in a bag of chips. I said it Sunday, you're not even the bag of chips. You are nothing. Who am I? Nothing. All that's happened here at Calvary Chapel, all that happened that first Sunday to this Wednesday night has been God. It has not been who I am. It is not the wonderful worship, although worship is wonderful. It is not the cool this and the cool that. These kinds of things do not really make up church. What makes church and what makes a good environment and what makes a man or a woman of God is God's presence in them. It's God working in them. It has nothing to do with them. And you get to that place over the years where you, you, you come to the place where I'm nothing. A brother emailed me uh, just uh, a couple days ago. 
And he was telling me that he was ready to begin in ministry again and ready to move forward in what God has called him to do. And he had been in ministry for so many years and things had taken a turn and there were some problems and so on and so forth. And, and now he's not in ministry. And all of that desert experience has brought him to the place where I could hear his heart, where he is saying the same thing that I'm saying today. I'm nobody. It's all about God. Whatever God does in my life, then to God be the glory, great things he has done. Whatever happens in Calvary Chapel here, to God be the glory, great things he has done. Who am I? I am nobody. It's not about who I am. It's about whose I am. I belong to Jesus Christ, and you belong to Jesus Christ. And whatever he does in your life, listen, to God be the glory. What, saints? Great things he hath done. Moses, it's not about you. It's all about him. You get to that place in life. I think Moses has gotten there. So he says, who am I? God says that's not the issue. It's not about who you are. It's whose you are. And then notice in verse 13. I love verse 13 and 14. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said, tell them I am who I am. I like that. Moses says, God, if I go to the people and tell them that you sent me and they say, oh, yeah, what's his name? God says, tell them I am that I am. I like that. Tell them I am that sent you. God says, I am. Moses says, I am what? God says, I'm whatever you need. I'm able to be whatever I want to be for you. Genesis 22 God says, I am your provider, Jehovah Jireh. Exodus 15, I am your healer, Jehovah Rapha. Exodus 17, I am your banner, Jehovah Nisi. Judges chapter 6, I am your peace, Jehovah Shalom. Psalm 23, I am your shepherd, Jehovah Roihai. Jeremiah 23, I am your righteousness, Jehovah to Sitkanu. Ezekiel 48, I am the ever-present Jehovah Shammah. And then finally, you fast forward to the Old Testament, to the New Testament, pardon me, and the angel comes to Mary and Joseph and says, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jehovah, our salvation. Well, the scriptures are clear. He's our provider, he's our banner, he's our peace, he's our shepherd, he's our righteousness. But ultimately, saints, listen closely, the Lord has become our salvation. Amen? Our salvation. And then Jesus, get this, then Jesus picks up in the New Testament and he said to the Jews, before Abraham was, I am. I am what? Judges, pardon me, John chapter 6, verse 48 I am the bread of life. John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. John chapter 9, pardon me, chapter 10, verse 9. I am the door. John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. John chapter 11, verse 17. I am the resurrection and the life. John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, I am, Jesus says, with you always, even until the ends of the earth. And don't you know, just as a side note, this, my friend, is the reason why they wanted to kill Jesus. Because he claimed to be the great I am. Because he is taking the title of God spoken here in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses said, Who shall I say sent me? And God, Jehovah, said, I am that I am has sent me. Tell him that. And Jesus comes along in the Old Testament and he begins to claim, I am, I am, before Abraham was, I am. And the Jews pulled their hair out and they wanted to kill him because he was taking the title of God and God alone. You understand? Who sent me? I am has sent you. Look at verse 15. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And this, God says, is my name for a short period of time. Is that what it says? This is my name for how long? Forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited with you, visited you, and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, the Parasites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, to the land flowing with milk and honey. And then they will heed your voice and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt. And you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But in verse 19, God says, I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. See, God knows the end from the beginning. I'm sure the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by mighty hand. In other words, it won't be easy. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely, of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Before you close your Bible, God tells Moses how it will go with the Egyptians. And it's interesting because God, give me your attention, God sends an 80-year-old failure to deliver his people. You know what that teaches us? It's never too late. If you're 80, you're just getting going. God, you've still got some years. God is sending an 80-year-old to deliver his people. And he's a failure at this point. 
But God loves to use failures. Did you know that? God loves to use failures. Somebody once said that God is a God of a second chance. I think that's true, but I also think he is a God of the third chance, the fourth chance, the fifth chance, the sixth chance. God is a God of continual forgiveness and continual chances. God is always seeking and desiring to use people. God loves to give people a second chance. And here we have Moses, 80 years old, and God is giving him a second chance. And now, in this last and final 40 years of his life, he's going to become somebody that God can use. It's been a long journey for him. But, you know, God is faithful, isn't he? God is faithful. I mean, God could have gave up on him a long time ago. If it had been us, we probably would have given up on him. But God is faithful. And here in these last 40 years, God's going to use him mightily. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.